Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of the Brews Less Traveled podcast, where we explore the best undiscovered craft beer cities across the country. We're finishing up our month here in San Antonio with a visit to Five Stones Artisan Brewery. We also chatted with Bruvana's own Texas-based content guru, Ian Oldman. Join me, Julie, and my co-host, Mike, as we chat with Ian about the Lone Star State's craft beer scene and how to get started in homebrewing. We also say the word zoigle more times than we probably should have. We tasted the Braunfelser Keller Pills and Thump Fruited IPA from Five Stones. I can't wait to share this episode with you. Cheers! Hey everybody, welcome to Bruce Less Traveled. I am your craft beer loving host, Julie. It's so great to see you. We are here at our final virtual tasting in San Antonio for the month of January. It's been amazing exploring this city with all of you. And I have not been doing it alone. We have my wonderful co-host, Mike, here with me. Mike, would you like to say hi to everyone? Hi to everyone. We have made it to the last stop of our San Antonio road trip today. We are at Five Stones Artisan Brewery. And uh, tonight we have a great guest as well. We have uh, Ian Oldman from, uh, he's the content marketing associate right here at Bruvana, who happens to be a fellow beer lover from uh, Texas. He's in Texas right now. So we'll be drinking today the Braunfelser Keller Pills and the Thump Fruited and Refermented IPA from Five Stones Artisan Brewery. Yeah, I also love that the names of these two beers are so different. We have the Braunfelser and the Thump. (laughs) <laughs> and the thump. So we have talked a lot this month about how you can really get a feel for the, the quality of a brewery from the lagers that they make. So I'm actually really excited to try this Keller Pills myself. How about you, Mike? What are you most excited to open? Oh, yeah. Me too. I, I really like a good uh, Keller Pills. But I mean, the other one is a watermelon IPA. So that's going to be one of those ones that I have to that I might have might get distracted by. You might have to go back and forth. I mean, I've had watermelon beers before. There's, there's, mm-hmm. uh, it's certainly a good beer flavor. So we'll see how, uh, see how, what this one's like. Well, I tell you, let's, uh, I'm thirsty. Yeah, let's do it. So we're going to open the Braunfelser Keller Pills first. So this beer clocks in at 4.2% ABV and it has a refreshingly crisp IBU of 45. So let's do that. I'm excited oh. for this one. And I love this can too. All right. There we go. All right. Ooh, this is beautiful. pouring beautifully, huh? It's got oh, a that. nice uh, yeah. slight haze to it, like a Keller Pills should have. A nice, like, rich head on this one, too. It surprises me. It's, like, very um, dense, like, kind of fluffy, at least mm-hmm. the, the one that I poured out. I like that. Agreed. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. All right. Get a mm. lot of this. Ooh, I like that. It's almost like um, almost like a little bit of, like, citrus to me in the in the nose of it, which is really cool. Oh, yeah. It's got that nice, nice bite on the finish. You said those IBUs are, are up there. And yeah, that's mm-hmm. a, yeah. Oh, that's a really nice pill. So I like that very much. Yeah, that's the nice very thing reminiscent about- of, a, of a nice German Keller pills. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I've really come to appreciate about a Pilsner as compared to something like an American lager is that bitterness that you get on the back. I love mm. that. 
super tasty. So this beer was named after the new Braunfels neighborhood outside of San Antonio, which is where five stones is located. And this community is really neat. It's actually a neighborhood that has German roots. And so there's a lot of original German architecture from the 1800s. And if you recall from our second episode, pills is the German kind of word. It's a German style pilsner. Um, they usually call it pills. So it makes sense that this one is called a pills as well. Yeah. I actually, uh, about 10 years ago, went to, we went on a tour of Germany and Austria and, uh, and Munich is such a cool town. Mm-hmm. And to, I mean, to be like, I was a tourist there and like went to the Hofbrau house mm-hmm. and it's like, it's very touristy, but my God, was it fun. So it's fun. Just like yeah. filled with people and they, and they put you at the, at the, uh, uh, you know, communal tables. Mm-hmm. So we became fast friends with the people who were at the table with us. And you have to drink out of a liter, uh, liter size steins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it doesn't just... matter if they have any other sizes. You have to drink out of the liter. Size. And the band is For playing sure. there, the the, um, uh, the the traditional music. And oh, it was mm-hmm. a great time. I really I was like, yeah. why don't we live in this town? It was a really cool. This particular uh, is called a Keller beer, right? Which mm-hmm. uh, translates to cellar beer. Uh, Keller beers originated in Bavaria, where Munich is. Uh, in the Middle Ages, where the beer would be brewed in the cold months and then it would be lagered in caves, creating a natural cellar for fermentation. So that's where the Keller Pills comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's also known for sometimes it can be a little bit hazy, a little mm. more gently carbonated. So even though it had that nice head as you're drinking it, it's not going to be quite so fizzy in your mouth as maybe some other Pilsners. Um, and that's usually because they were traditionally served from a cast. There are also two related styles. And these are called a Zwickel beer and a Zoigel beer, which I mentioned solely because they're fun to say. And these are typically weaker and darker. They're a little bit less hop forward than the traditional Keller beer like we have here. Right. I had a couple of Zwickel beers in in Austria and really nice, really just so refreshing. Mm -hmm. Great daytime beer. Yeah. And I just, yeah, like you said, Zoigel beer is just too fun. Zoigel. Go around saying Zoigel. Zoigel we beer. just had a brewery that on, on one of our tours, Zoigel, Zoigel Brew in Portland. Uh, oh, yeah. They Zoigel. Have like a, Zoigel. They have like a big festival out in Portland called, I think, Zwickelvania. I don't think I've had a Zoigel beer. I have not either because I would remember if I'd had a Zoigel beer because I probably would have said. Yes, you definitely Zoigel remember that. I would remember that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's learn a little bit more about this brewery. Uh, Five Stones Artisan Brewery was opened by home brewer Seth Weatherly in 2016 after his family and friends convinced him to take his hobby to the next level. Yep. As, as so they so often to do, do it. Yes, <laughs> you must. This beer is too good. They definitely started out really strong, too. So they actually won a Great American Beer Festival medal in their first year, which I mean, mm. That's that's pretty wild. They won the first ever startup brewery challenge through Brewbound, um, I believe that same year, too. So these days they're known for making a lot of fruit forward beers like the one we're going to try later. So that's I'm excited to taste that one and also hosting some really fun community events as well. And uh, now that we've got a little preview of Five Stones, uh, let's check in on our top 10 things to do in San Antonio. <laughs> Uh, Our first tip is to head to the historic market square for some great food, uh, shopping and live music. The pedestrian mall covers three city blocks and makes you feel like you're stepping into Mexico itself with the themed storefronts and decor. Head there for Cinco de Mayo or Dia de los Muertos for a real treat. Yeah, this market seems really cool. Dia de los Muertos. 
Dia de los Muertos. Yes, it sounds really awesome. It looks amazing. And our final thing to do in San Antonio, our final thing, teardrop, mm -hmm. is to visit Hopscotch San Antonio. This is an interactive art museum where you don't just look at the art, you actually totally become it, which is really cool. So it's fully immersive. It's an art experience where you get to walk through and into and over and under the art itself. So there's a rainbow cave made from recycled bags. There's a light show where the art shines on your own body. So it's super cool, really neat. You know, it's not a museum where you can't touch anything. It's a museum where you should touch everything and be part right. of everything. Yeah, I'm, I definitely am going to head to San Antonio sometime soon. And I want to go to Austin as well. And they're, they're close to each other. So yeah, that would be yeah. a good road trip. It really would. Houston, last month's uh, city. Check that out as well. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. some great some great beer towns in Texas. We can make a whole Texas beer trip, Texas beercation. I love it. And now let's open our second beer. I feel like I just started this one. It's so good. I don't want to oh. put it down, but I'm excited. Let's open our second beer and introduce our guests. So who's ready to open this thump fruited IPA? Thump it up. Oh, and you can see through it. it up. Yeah. All right. So as always, we like to go from the lightest flavor intensity to the strongest. Remember, not always lightest color to darkest color, but flavor. Um, and I definitely had a feeling that this fruited IPA is going to be a party in your mouth. So we're doing that one second. All right. Let's give it a shot. I'm surprised right off the bat by the color. I mean, I guess watermelon wouldn't lend that much color, but when I think of a fruited beer, I'm picturing something you know, more like red or pink or something like that. This looks pretty traditional color-wise. Getting, oh, I'm getting more of the poppy nose on that. Mm -hmm. It's 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 actually 26 IBUs and it's 6.3% uh, mm -hmm. alcohol, and it's refermented with watermelon and dry hopped with cashmere and citra for additional aroma. So there you go, the citra yeah. hops kind of rising up to the top there but yeah you're right with the ibu for um an ipa that's pretty low for an ipa and it does seem like they did add a lot of those hops there uh in the dry hopping after primary fermentation so that they get all of that aroma but not so much of the bitterness so it's not going to up the ibus as much this is nice not a big watermelon mm -hmm. smell but i get the flavor i do too yeah i get it up front for sure so this beer is um Refermented is what it says. And so what does wow. that mean? Basically, it means that they add the fruit after the beer has already started to ferment. Uh, sometimes it can be in a wooden cask, especially with like sours. Um, with this one, probably it was in stainless steel um, with IPAs. You don't really want to put them in wood. And it really adding the fruit is going to kind of wake the yeast up, give it some extra sugar to munch on, and also just create a really uh, more complex flavor profile. So that's what they mean when they say a refermented IPA. It's pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, it really is. And I think they did a great job with it. It's, the, it's just the balance is really mm -hmm. nice between it's not it's not overly fruity and it's yeah. not overly uh, bitter. It's, it's just right on. It's very. Yeah, it's like very light, um, very refreshing, something that you feel like you could drink, drink a few of probably. Um, it's not like very it doesn't overwhelm you as much as I thought it might. And there's almost at the finish gives a, a little bit of a like a, almost like a watermelon rind flavor yeah. like almost like yeah. a, a slight a pit, uh, like with the bitterness yeah yeah thank you pithy very mm -hmm. pithy <laughs> yeah <laughs> i yeah, gotta I bring you that. around all the bars when i go oh this has a oh, i was whispering here the word the, the, that you're the looking for pithiness <laughs> pithiness 
<laughs> Zoigel. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Good. Without any further ado, let's welcome our guests for tonight. We have Bruvana's content marketing associate and our resident Texas resident. See what I did there? Ian Goldman. Oh. Welcome, Ian. We are happy to have you. Hey, how are y'all doing tonight? We're doing having great. a blast. We're having fun. <laughs> We're just zoigling and pithing along here. You got the five stones there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing I love about that brewery is, don't there? I don't know if you've seen this, but their breweries or their their beers just like emit light. They're so it's like turning a lamp on when you open up the when you pour them into a glass. They're just oh yeah, so visually yeah. appealing. Yeah, they are very they really bright, do. very effervescent, beautiful, They're completely different flavors. Yeah. Uh, so, what are you uh, drinking tonight, uh, Ian? Speaking of, what are we drinking? I have a, uh, a fellow San Antonio brewery that y'all went over, I believe, last week. Uh, uh, Weathered Souls. I'm drinking their right. uh, oak aged Hellas. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's um, solid, solid for the style. It's really got that uh, that banana flavor, that sort of like mm-hmm. banana bread. It's crisp. It's light. Um, good, good style. A little peppery, just a, a, a hint of pepper, which is good. Yum. Love Do you it. get well, any of that a- like uh, oakiness from it? I love that kind of oak, the flavor that oak can impart sometimes. It's definitely, uh, it's, it's more mild. I feel like it, um, it contributes more to the body almost, uh, mm. as far as sort of, uh, in an, an implication of it being, uh, you yeah. Know, an Just a, hint. a little whisper, a little whisper of Oak. That's great. Love yeah. It. Weathered souls. Uh, they were a great brewery to work with really, really tasty beers. That one sounds really good too. What was the first beer that you drank and how did that bring you to where you are today as the content, um, associate here at Bravana? So uh, I'm originally from Virginia in the Appalachian Mountains, a town called Harrisonburg. Um, We're a big craft beer town. And it's because uh, a bar opened up there back in like 2008, 2009, 2010, right around the time that a lot of um, craft breweries are really um, getting, getting more national popularity. If I think back to like when that bar opened up and what beers were popular at that time, especially in the East Coast, I can't tell you exactly what it was, but I could probably narrow it down to like uh, Heavy Seas Loose Cannon, right? Uh, Magic Cat number nine, uh, Flying Dog was uh, is sort of nearby, so it's got to be one of those like three or four, <laughs> four beers, you know. That's a great start. Yeah, days of like classic IPAs, right? Where like oh, very yeah. sort of bitter, sort of hop forward. I yeah, that's great. They love the number nine. Yeah, takes yeah. me back. Yeah, like, like buying uh, the old cardboard case of Magic <laughs> Magic Nine. Those are hard <laughs> to find these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. big. Uh, Big fan of the heavy seas stuff too. I remember I used to, that used to be one of my go-to breweries back in the day. So how do you feel like um, kind of getting into craft beer when you did and where you did, how did that connect with kind of the, the journey that you took to doing what you're doing now? Yeah. So I always, uh, you know, my friends and I always uh, were hanging out at that craft beer bar. I've got a lot of, like, all my friends are, are craft beer nerds. Um, so I moved to Austin uh, at, to work at a newspaper here. I was a, a journalist. Um, and when I worked at the newspaper, I just sort of naturally picked up um, some brewery news and, and did wrote a lot about um, uh, brewery openings, uh, sort of industry news in Austin. Um, and that got just got sort of got me writing about uh, craft beer more connected to the scene here. So that's how I just sort of naturally got into um, to writing about craft beer in, uh, in, in Texas, Austin specifically. That's awesome. Yeah. So not just a journalist, but a beer journalist when you were there. So that's a great seems like a great gig for sure. 
Yeah, there's nothing better than than writing about beer. You know, there's yeah. there's no better assignment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I love it. That's great. And you also you you do some home brewing, yeah. Yeah, I uh, started ramping up in the past year. I think two years ago, uh, my mom got me a homebrew kit for Christmas. So, I, and I've been brewing ever since. So I'll say, um, you know, if you want to get into brewing, homebrewing at all, uh, those kits are a great way to do it. Bravana has a, a homebrew kit where we, uh, you know, we have live instruction. And it's always the best way to get your foot in the door because no one wants to make a bad beer with their first batch. Right. <laughs> it's, you know, you don't want to start off a hobby on a wrong foot. I did, uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's, I, I've moved around from apartment to apartment. Uh, my setup isn't anything, you know, I don't have like a, a small brewery in my, uh, in my, <laughs> in my, my laundry room. I just have, uh, it's a couple of buckets, uh, a propane burner and a, and a big pot essentially. Recently, my big investment last year was a, a chest freezer to do some uh, temperature control. But really, you know, if you're like me and you're moving around from apartment to apartment, you'd be surprised how much brewing you can get done with a couple buckets and heat source, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I feel like that's where everyone starts. You know, when you hear all the origin stories of the brewers that we interview, it's all like brewing and brewing in my basement on like a propane <laughs> burner. Like that's, that's definitely uh, not that unusual, you know, and it, it really can be so approachable. Um, in that way too, just starting out small. And then as you perfect the craft and keep working, you know, kind of graduating and evolving and trying some new equipment and things like that. But yeah, like Ian mentioned, those kits on Bruvana are awesome. I feel like when I, I started homebrewing in 2009, which is a very long time ago. Um, and I remember just like finding some books at the homebrew supply store and like some YouTube videos and that was like the extent of how I learned, you know, but like to have a live instructor who can really like talk you through not just how to do it and what you're doing, but why you're doing it is super cool. So definitely second that recommendation for sure. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to find. It's sort of hard, hard to find homebrew information now. Mm-hmm. I imagine back in 2009, God, you would have had to go to like an actual library for that. So. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. I go to the card catalog. Homebrewing. Yeah. Home Where's the homebrewing? No, I was gonna say there's probably was uh, books on it. Yeah, somewhere in the library. Yeah, yeah, yeah such right. an old. Uh, although in Prohibition, maybe they burned all the all the old uh, brewing books. <laughs> That'd be so sad. Let's take a beer break. Earlier, Ian mentioned drinking an oak-aged beer from San Antonio's own Weathered Souls Brewing Company. But how does oak aging work when it comes to beer? Typically, brewers will put their fermented beer into an oak barrel to age from anywhere from a month to a year, depending on the amount of flavor they want. The barrels can come from whiskey, bourbon, or even wine, with each providing a distinct character. While you can try to barrel age anything, this technique works best with high flavor, high alcohol beers, as the oak might overwhelm more delicate styles. A life pro tip for my fellow homebrewers out there? You can get a similar flavor profile by adding oak chips or oak cubes to your fermenter about a week before you bottle or keg the beer. Oh, and use a grain bag. Picking wood chips out of beer is never a fun time. Now let's get back to the episode. As Ravana's content marketing associate, um, you actually wrote a blog for us all about visiting San Antonio. What do you think our members tuning in would find most surprising about the area? I live up in, uh, in Austin. Austin's about a 90 minute drive to San Antonio. So I've uh, done it a couple of times. Um, it depends on 
if 35 is going to be cooperative or not. So I, I, I was lucky to have some familiarity with it. Um, but I think what would really surprise people about San Antonio is that it's massive, both in its uh, footprint and in how many people there. I, I feel like San Antonio sort of plays fourth fiddle to Austin and Houston and Dallas in terms of sort of national recognition, but it's the seventh largest city by population in the United States. Oh, like it's wow. not, it's not, uh, you know, a developing town. It's this historic deep rooted town where so much of like Texas and Tejano culture comes out of that area and, and it's, it's big. So there's tons to do. And it has this bridge between like, you know, centuries of Texas tradition to sort of like contemporary taste and, and modern trends. That's, that's pretty cool. And, and it's quite frankly hard to find in a lot of, you know, developing and emerging cities. Yeah, for sure. I'm just picturing kind of how the Alamo looks, this very like old classic historic building, and then just like the modern downtown right there beside it and behind it, you know, like that pretty much sums it up, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty interesting. You know, it's the all the pictures of the, of the Alamo do a pretty good job of hiding the fact that it's in between like four <laughs> interstates, right? Yeah, it's like the, it's like the pyramids. If you see a photo of like the pyramids from the right angle, there's just like a downtown like metropolis out of the distance behind it. It's so strange. Yeah, but even a place like the Pearl Brewing District, I think it was like over 100 years. Pearl Brewing uh, was a, a massive um, production plant for uh, Lone Star Beer or uh, Pearl Beer, which are both sort of like macro lighter, lighter uh, lagers, um, sort of the national beer of Texas. That plant closed in, I want to say it was the early 2000s, and they renovated it. And now it's like chic, awesome <laughs> restaurants. That, you know, it's got like charcuterie plates, stuff like, you know, like a nice- That's my uh, favorite open... food, charcuterie. It's <laughs> like open air farmer's markets, you know, so it's, they took this place that has, you know, it, it's a very historic district and they, they uh, refurbish it to be a really awesome spot to go uh, on the weekends. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I love kind of repurposed buildings or converted buildings. You can do some really fun stuff with that. And like so many breweries do it too. You have churches or firehouses or things like that that get turned into breweries. It's always really fun. That has that story behind it, which you can't, you can't just like create from nothing, you know, where you are in Austin. Now that's a pretty, uh, uh, standout beer city, huh? Do you, uh, how would you, uh, compare maybe like the, the, do you think it's a bigger scene in San Antonio or, uh, you know, cause Austin's a little bit more known for some more craft breweries, I think. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely more breweries in, in Austin. I, I want to say just by the last time I counted, and this was a handful of years ago, it was something like 60 some breweries in Austin. Oh, and that wow. was a handful of years mm-hmm. ago. So uh, it sure it's well over 70, well, maybe in the 80 then. And, and it's to the point now where um, it seems like every brewing brewery opening up, is either focused on one style of beer or it has like a gimmick almost, you know, or not a gimmick, but like a theme, you know, where that they're trying to bring in a certain crowd. Like the last brewery I heard of that's opening in the Austin area is going to be like retro gaming themed or sort of like video game nerd nerd themed. So bring in that crowd, you know, (laughs) San Antonio, despite it being a larger city has a, has a smaller beer scene in terms of just by sheer volume. Of, of, of breweries but you know I, I feel like that's definitely allowed for these breweries to be more expressive to take more chances you know I, I feel like you could definitely take more chances on beers that may not appeal to everyone when you don't have the insane competition that uh that breweries in, in austin do that's wild I and mean, we have that same sort of thing in new york here where we have 
you know, one of the most populous places in the, in the country. And we have less than 40 breweries <laughs> within the city limits. And so we're not considered a big beer town <laughs> because you compare us to the, to the other, uh, uh, the other, the other places with much smaller populations, like you said, Austin or Boston is supposed to have more than 60 and uh, about 10th the size of New York. So we're still working on it here. <laughs> so that's where to do it. Start opening all your breweries in New York. That's where the demand. I guess, yeah, it's, a, it's a, always a tough place to open any business. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so fun to find these cities like San Antonio, like I mentioned, I think last week where, you know, maybe they don't have as many breweries, but they still have a really cool scene and it's fun to, to open people's eyes to that for sure. So Ian, our members love to learn things they can do from the locals. So what would be, if you were traveling up the highway to San Antonio, what would be your ideal day off there? Oh boy. Like I said, San Antonio is a really big city. So don't try and do it all in one day. <laughs> so <laughs> um, have so first have two days off and then. Yeah, have two, have two days off. Exactly. Uh, so Five Stones that you're all drinking is based in New Braunfels. So I won't even start in San Antonio yet. I'll, I'll talk about New Braunfels first. New Braunfels is awesome. Uh, like you said, it has uh, these really unique German uh, buildings. Uh, it's definitely one of those places where you can feel the, the the German heritage like oozing out of the town. It's inescapable. There's great beer bars. There's beer bars that have like wide open patios. So you can sort of get that like beer garden feel to it. If you go in the summer, it's great to drink those like really light, crisp German beers in a patio. And then they have like tubing. Uh, there's these great rivers for tubing that you can sort of get on the river and just, you know, it cool down in the river. Um, it's also just beautiful to drive around that area of, uh, of Texas. It's called the Hill Country. So you go out west, there's Fredericksburg. That's one country. And you got you can even go out east to uh, this little town called Lockhart. That's that's you've got some cool stuff going on now. So that, that's one thing you can do. And then uh, down in San Antonio, I heard you uh, mention earlier the Riverwalk. Probably can't be said enough. Riverwalk is awesome. It's it's beautiful. It's long. So you can do it in like a couple of different sections and see something new every single time. Uh, there's restaurants where you can uh, sit next to the river on a patio under some umbrellas and drink. Um, they've got little boats so you can do a little little river tours of San Antonio. It, it's just not something you'd expect in a city like San Antonio, it almost seems like something you stumble upon. Like it, it's something that's so well known throughout Texas, but every time you, you go there, it, it feels like a secret that you just found out about, which is hard to replicate. Actually on the Southern end, I believe the Southern end of the, uh, the river walk, you can go to um, the, the missions, which are just like breathtaking. You know, it's a, it's a UNESCO world heritage site. It definitely feels like important when you visit. It's very historical and, a little off the beaten path, I guess, or not as popular as the Alamo. So you still get this like super rich history, this really important landmark to not just San Antonio, but Texas and sort of Southwest America. There's a, definitely a little bit more uh, room to breathe there. <laughs> and you don't feel like you're in the middle. It doesn't, the Alamo can sort of feel like uh, a postcard that they, that you put down in, like a, uh, in the middle of downtown. So the, the, the world heritage sites, the, uh, the missions definitely are, don't have that feeling at all. They're, they're really fun to visit. Yeah, that's really cool. That sounds like it would be really amazing to see for sure. So, yeah, Ian, will you t- will you, can we stay at your house or? Yeah, I got a <laughs> uh, an inflatable mattress. That's uh, <laughs> we can make work. I'm just gonna be floating on the river in San Antonio. I don't know about you guys. I'm just gonna float away. <laughs> take that inflatable in mattress and take a. <laughs> 
We have to take the mattress on there. That's a good idea. There you go. I love it. A couple of German beers floating down the river on a mattress. and we might... That's my weekend. <laughs> All right, Ian, as we wrap up here, it is time for our rapid fire questions. So your mission is to not think, just answer. Are you ready? I'm, I'm excellent at not thinking. So I'm definitely ready for this. I'm probably Great. the best at not thinking. Yeah. Love it. Okay, here we go. New Year's resolution. Brew more. If you could drink a beer with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? John Cleese. What's your spirit animal? That would be a loon. Can you make a loon sound? Oh, I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> yes. Something like that. They're hard. They're hard to replicate. I don't think my, my vocal cords. It's the strangest sound I've ever heard. Yeah. It's All right. Loons. All right. Beer style that so last year. Honestly, and this is going to piss a lot of people off, Pilsner's. Those Ooh. the crispy boy beers. Damn fine feel, words, huh? Yeah. Maybe it's because of maybe it's because I'm in Texas and it's like such a dominant beer style here. But uh that's what I've heard. You, you could yeah, you could throw a rock and hit a pilsner here, you know. <laughs> there you go. Okay, that's fair. Uh so what's the beer style of 2022? I would probably guess well, you're drinking what? You drank a Keller beer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you're gonna see a lot of like historical styles get revived i've already seen a um oh gosh i forget the the style but it's like a, a coit beer like a dutch coit beer I saw, i've seen that get, oh. get brewed yeah it's just something you not something you see a lot so i think anything new that can be drawn up from the past i think that's gonna yeah. get more prominence this year i like that that's like a good hot take because i feel like most people say like oh like you know lagers and pilsners are the thing but i feel like that's been going on for a little while and putting this kind of classic spin on it where, you know, it might still be something similar to, you know, traditional Pilsner, but it also is even going even more traditional to go like back to these classic styles. I think that would be really cool to see. And even regional too. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, I know uh, there's a a brewery in Austin did like a South African lager. I want to say it's, you know, different. (laughs) Yeah. It tastes like a lager, but it's different. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, we, we got to make sure somebody's going to brew that Zygel beer. <laughs> Zygel beer. Got to have All a right. Zygel. <laughs> Ian, it's been a pleasure having you. Is there anything that you would like to plug? We uh, launched our blog page on the Brewvana's website. So we're going to be writing about all the brews left traveled cities that we visit from here on out on there. And they're going to include tips on great little afternoons to spend. sort of the best breweries where you can find certain types of beer. If you want to gram yourself, we're going to try and include some, some awesome places to uh, tag yourself on the gram. Um, so please check that out. I think it's going to be a great resource for, uh, for our members that want to like learn more about the cities that we're, uh, we're going to. Yeah. All right, folks, that's it for me. Be sure to tune in next week as we introduce you to your new permanent Bruce Less Traveled host. Some of you may recognize this person from certain holiday beer box events. That's all I'm going to say about it. And we'll take you to a city that is sure to be a fun stop on our craft beer road trip. In fact, not only does it have more boulevards than Paris and a city park twice the size of Central Park, it also completely ignored prohibition. So we know its beer scene has to be out of this world. We can't wait to bring you there next week. Cheers, everyone. Prost. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me in our virtual tap room this week. I love sharing a beer with you. And don't forget to sign up for the Brews Less Traveled Beer Club at bruvana.com. This way you'll get all the beers we taste on the podcast, 
delivered right to your doorstep so you can drink along. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and subscribe to Bruvana on Untapped so you can stay up to date with the beers in the box. Can't wait to crack open a cold one with you next week. Cheers! <laughs>